You're listening to the Cannabis Investing Network. Before we begin, a short disclaimer. The full disclaimer follows at the end of this episode. This podcast is a general communication and is being provided for entertainment and information purposes only. It is educational in nature and is not designed to be a recommendation for any specific investment strategy, plan, feature, or other purpose. Please enjoy responsibly. Hello, and welcome back to the Cannabis Investing Network podcast. My name is Abby, and I am joined here today with somebody very special, Mr. Modern Man Strength himself. <laughs> he's vaxxed, he's waxed, and he's ready to come on the pod. Thanks. Matt, welcome back. Pleasure to be here. For those of you who don't know him, it's Pat Patrick Smith, former analyst on Bay Street, yep. did everything, including mining, all alternative sectors, basically yep. high risk asset classes for pretty good small cap shop. He's been on the podcast before. He was the one that put out the information on how to look at a balance sheet. It was very well received. So Pat, thank you for that. Great. No problem. And uh, yeah, man, we're very excited to have you back on, on the podcast. How's everything going? Oh, pretty well. Pretty well. It's been a while since you've last been on here. I mean, we'll go through the agenda and everything like that. But when, when were you on here last? I think it was December, like early December, or late November, November, December, was it? Yeah, because we were both in Vancouver yeah. at the time, right? Yeah, the market was better then. Way, 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 yeah. way better then. Uh, and that's something that we will kind of get into and sort of talk more about. Um, yeah, the market was way better then. Uh, the weather's better now, but we were in Vancouver at the time, and life was better because it certainly was better. Yeah, I enjoyed going to the bars. Yeah, or eating inside. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, if you guys can't tell, Pat and I are both here in Toronto. We're still locked down. Um, he did just recently get his vaccine, uh, which is pretty good news. Exactly. Um, but we've got a very, very fun-filled episode for you guys today. Big news. So today is Monday, May 10th. I just have to check the time. Uh, we're recording at a weird time. We usually record in the evenings, but uh, today we had some uh, availability, and so we're actually recording during market hours, so things could change. For uh, a minute to market close. Yeah. So get your trades in. Yeah, two minutes within market close. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, the market had a little bit of a sell-off today. But uh, nonetheless, it's been a very exciting day. We had what? So Harvest announced. There Harvest. There was a massive merger with TrueLeave. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about, Pat, to see what's got you excited. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, we last sat down in late November. That was sort of where we like, funny enough, the market is around the same points as you mentioned us. So we're going to talk a little bit further about that. We're also going to do a little bit of a, a different approach this time. We're going to talk about the overall broader markets, not just cannabis. And that includes crypto, gold, S&P 500. We're going to talk about the yields. We're going to talk about vaccine rollouts. Pat, right before we got on here, you mentioned something about steel prices and concrete prices. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that and find out why that's important. And then, you know, if we have time, let's talk about uh, uh, earnings reports and what to look for in an earnings report, what you, what you like to look at personally. And then, you know, it's a pretty big agenda already, but... Um, Let's see how far we get. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, with that, <clears throat> um, TrueLeave. TrueLeave announced a really big merger today. Huge. Yeah, it is the largest merger uh, in cannabis history. $2.1 billion. Wow. Yeah, so it's uh, it's no easy feat. I mean, you know, overall, I think it was received positively. The merger itself, Harvest is up quite a bit. Um, Harvest, just so you know, uh, I started a position in it back in about two two months ago or so now, um, has done pretty well. The reason that it came on our radar 
uh, was a friend of our pod, a friend of the podcast sort of brought it up to us. We started looking at their assets, liked what the assets that they had, and thought it was sort of uh, undervalued. And then looks like you know truly was looking at it as well. Good and call. Yeah, it was all luck at the end of the day. Um, so you know we'd like to take more credit. It was actually a Manish pick. Uh, he he put it in front of my he put it on on my radar, mm-hmm. and we sort of looked a little bit further onto it. Um, I mean, yeah. So what are your thoughts on that merger? Well, I'm impressed. I'm surprised that it happened. Um, it sort of confirms for me in some ways that the market's a little bit undervalued right now. Undervalued, eh? Yeah. So I think maybe Treeleaf looked at Harvest and was like, oh, maybe we can pick up some cheap assets here. Yeah. Because they own like a lot of dispensaries. And, they do. Yeah. And so Har- Harvest had a lot of good assets. Oh, yeah. Right? That was the thing. And a lot of people stopped looking at it because it was like any anytime you would bring it up, people would like sort of scoff at you and be like, oh, Harvest, whatever. Um, but they did. But but to your point, they were in, in really good states and um, truly picked them up for pretty good. So the what the deal, sorry, what the terms of this deal is that each Harvest shareholder is going to receive 0.117 of Trulieve shares. Uh, that was basically a 34% premium as of Friday's close. Uh, so if you held Harvest from there, you know, you got a nice little, you're getting a nice 34% premium, um, which is really good. Uh, and again, this is the largest U.S. cannabis merger that's been announced to date. Uh, it's you know it's it's a definitive agreement. It it still needs to go through the uh, the the approval process. So I mean you know probably will. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then the combined company, if this merger goes through, uh, they're going to hold a leading position in both Arizona and in Florida. They're going to have growing operations in a number of key states that includes Pennsylvania and Maryland. And uh, it's going to operate in a total of 11 states. So it is really... What's going to be the combined market cap? 2.1, right? Oh, no, that's... The value of... That's the value of the takeout. Yeah, that's the value of of the takeout. Uh, The combined market cap, I don't know, actually, uh, what what that will be. Uh, That's a good question. Actually, that's something something that I would ask you. (laughs) I suppose you would just take 2.1 and then add it to whatever... Yeah, I mean, you have, have to see right how, how everything goes. But, yeah. um, I mean, yeah. So, like, look, I, I did say with this, the market did view this announcement positively. Both Trulieve and Harvest are up. But why I really like this transaction, uh, I think this could be a catalyst for a lot of public market, for a public for a lot of public companies um, to start getting re-rated again. And what, what I mean by that is if you look at Air Wellness, uh, I think they're going to get a lot of attention. They have one of the lowest valuations in the U.S. cannabis sector. Um Sorry, yep, they, they trade at the. I'm looking at my comps right now, and they trade at four times 21 sales, which is the cheapest. Which of A- the set. AYR. AYR, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so yep. that is what. Sorry, and that's what I mean by they're the, they're the cheapest. They're cheapest from a relative perspective, relative, in comparison yeah. to what the the competitors are trading at. And um, you know, uh, what's the average on that that you've got? So the average. So this is a sample set of uh, companies that are more than one billion. So there's like 15 of them mm-hmm. uh, in the U.S. and AYR trades at four times, and the peers are at 7.4. Exactly. So, so that's pretty so, good. I mean, for people who are now looking into the space, I mean, I still think AYR is a good good pick. Uh, it's one of the names that I'm adding to that in Columbia Care. I own the most of those two. Um, we've had a lot of other people on, on the podcast who've talked about this as well, mm-hmm. and I think everybody knows that we own it. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, look, look that, that's very exciting, right? And so, yep. you know, Pat, we want to bring you on here and want to know – you and I were brainstorming ideas yesterday, and we're like, hey, let's talk about the harvest earnings that we both wake up this morning to one of the biggest. They knew things. I was coming in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and so on that, I mean, like, look, what's got you excited right now? Well, for me, I'm a little bit wary of these markets, but I am buying some uh, cannabis stocks, and mm-hmm. I'm still holding mine. But, you know, I'm just 
I'm always watching every day what's going on and yeah. the S&P 500 and interest rates and things like that. And uh, the market is not in good favor right now. And I, you know, I'm looking at my stocks every day and there's definitely more red days than green days. It's definitely true. So we are down from the February highs. But I mean, when you and I were chatting right before this, we had mentioned you had mentioned uh, this was an opportune time for value investing. Mm -hmm. What did you mean by that? Oh, I just mean that everything's down quite a bit. So if I look at the MSO ETF, um, we're basically on close to 52 week lows. I mean, maybe we got a few dollars here and there to, to shed if you really want to go lower. Mm -hmm. Um but if you're a betting guy, I would say, you know, now is a decent time to buy or, you know, if you're holding on to some stuff, you know, just hold on a little bit. Um, but be careful. Um, this market could be at worse. I mean, we're going into the summertime. Yeah. Um, sell in May, go away. I've age. spoken to lots of IAs that often sell in May or June and just go away. buy in September. And yeah. that's been a good strategy for them. And so trade volume little... does decline the summer historically. Yeah. Uh, last year was obviously an anomaly. Um, so you did mention something here. You said that prices are declining. So prices are going down, but fundamentals are improving. And that's sort of fundamentals are improving. It also depends where your assets are, right? I mean, we're probably not going to talk about Canadian stocks that much, but you know, if I was, if I was holding like a canopy or, or whatever, I'd be really afraid right now. So. I agree. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely challenges in Canada, um, which is unfortunate, you know, but that is where the market is. And the market does like the U S MSOs a lot better. There's a bigger opportunity there. That's sort of where we get really excited about. Um, but this all this whole thing goes back to from headlines back to fundamentals. Before, uh, in like when we were last year in November, it was a very frothy market, mm -hmm. right? There was still a lot of positive. Uh, there was still a lot of risk capital that was sort of entering the space, and headlines were moving the market, right? In the psychedelic space, if somebody announced a deal, the prices would go up. In cannabis, um, very something very similar happened with. The U.S. MSO is catching a bid earlier this year. Now we're sort of moving away from the headlines trades mm -hmm. back to the fundamental trade. And that's why we wanted to call this episode from head, headlines back to fundamentals. And when you were mentioning about being a value and a great time for value, what you were what, what, what I'm assuming you meant was prices are declining on the back. Prices are declining. Yeah, I mean, fundamentals. they could go down a bit more now that I'm looking at this chart here uh, in November. Just looking at the MSO ETF is just a good benchmark. Um, November, let's say November 30th uh, was at. $33 and now it's at 41 so there might be some room to go down also yeah but I mean okay so like look that's a good point right we yeah. looked at we just went back what six months and said okay where where was the market six it's months good to ago just think about it that way it's yeah. like how was I feeling back then you know what was stocks what's doing changed, what's right? really so changed right? a lot has changed since November till now right we've got vaccine rollouts you got we've Biden taking office you got, got a very pro-democratic yeah. a lot of the catalysts yeah. for cannabis have been sort of realized and breaking the market. It's very likely that cannabis will be legalized at some point soon, like probably two to three years, like across. Yeah, I don't think it's imminent. I also think that's one of. The, I think I think those overheated expectations uh, for federal. But when I say soon, I mean years. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, a lot mean, of like people tomorrow. thought it was going to be imminent, right. right? Like they, a lot of people thought that the pace of federal cannabis reform was going to be a lot quicker than a couple of years. It takes time. Yeah, and it so I time. think because of that, a lot of people are realizing that and sort of taking some risk off the table. Um, well, let's go back to this. So when we were ta chatting, you know, it's, you, you say it's, it's a good time for value investors or it's a good time to find value, but you mentioned that you were selling earlier. A little bit. I just, you know, it's good to be careful. So I, I'm thinking about personally doing maybe like 25% or 50% cash or something like that. You just got to protect yourself a little bit or not even cash. You know, I'm thinking about maybe hedging my bets a little bit, buying some REITs, um, some stuff on the S&P 500, just making sure that 
getting some some stocks from somewhere else at least. Oh wow! So you're not owning 100% cannabis. You're not owning 100% cannabis. No. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I I personally I don't own 100% cannabis as well. I know a lot of some people do. Uh, a lot of our listeners do. Uh, Manisha knows full tilt cannabis on any, anything outside of real estate. Um, I don't think. Yeah, he doesn't really dabble too much more in, in outside of uh, in, in the in the in the uh, the capital markets or public markets. Um, what's so. When you're selling, is this are you are you taking are you taking from the winners or are you cutting your yeah losses? I take it taking the winners like I sold Harvest today for example and okay it's always good to, you know when a company gets taken out just just sell it in my opinion unless yeah. you really think it's going to get taken over again which rarely happens yeah 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 and like so the up so you think that a lot of the upside has been realized or if you want yeah but it's just it's just going to trade in line with TrueLeaf until it closes so you right. might as well if you really like it just buy TrueLeaf right. That's true, because that premium to get into TrueLeaf has already been realized, right? Yeah. So there's probably like some sort of ARB, but I'm, you know, I haven't done the math, but you know, there's probably not much. Right? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think there was another trade where you and I did, and um, you know, that was your consensus. And after I, I pulled the trigger after the uh, the merger happened, and then took my winnings and got out, and that makes sense. Take but, the money and run. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, look. I think it's an opportune time for value investing as well, but you don't want to fall into value traps. Um, the markets can act irrational a lot longer than you can stay solvent. That's obviously a very... Nobody likes market. to watch their stocks go down. Exactly. Right. And look, like, I've said this before. There is a lot of trepidation in the markets right now. The whole sell and may go away. That does actually happen. And trading volumes do... Seasonality does exist. There's a lot of proof. Exactly. And so, I mean, this is a good time, I would say, to know... Well, always is a good time to know exactly what you own and why you own it. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you have a lot of risk on your portfolio and maybe you're waiting for some some sort of just have some, some sort of strategy. It depends, you know, if if, if some of the listeners have made really good returns. I mean, maybe take a bit off the table. That's all I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people. I hope a lot of people have made money, but we are down from the February highs, right? Yeah. So for, the, for a lot of people who didn't sell, so I have a couple of names that I didn't sell in the, in the February highs. They're, they, they're, yeah. they're not just- Like I'm down on AYR. I'm a little bit sad about that, but I'm going to hold it. Like yeah, I'm actually, I'm down. Yeah, that actually, that's actually a name that I'm down on. Yeah. I'm actually up overall, but I am down from the, because they are, it is down from- that's a, that's a name you can have confidence in, right? Exactly. It's probably going to stick around for a bit. It trades at a discount. I mean, yeah, it's a good investment thesis. Yeah, I, I, I like it too. And I think I think yeah. a lot of people, I think everybody knows that that's our favorite pick, of, or my favorite pick at least over here. Um, but what's got you scared right now? Oh, um, well, just using Village Farms, for example, they, they reported today mm -hmm. and they missed, well, they, they were like in line on sales, but they missed uh, EBITDA by like $2 million. Okay. Yeah, some people might tell you they missed by 80%, but it's just like hardly anything because, you know, the street was looking for like $2 million and they came at it like, you know, point five or something. Yeah. So like for me, I'm like, okay, who, who really cares? But the stock is down. It closed 25% down today. That's huge. Yeah. massive so why is that you know that usually happens you know when I, you know uh, when investors are scared and they're okay. wary and they're looking for beats and when they don't have it they'll just sell in a hurry and that tells me it's a very weak market right now especially for canadian stocks yeah. yes i yeah. agree and actually it's funny um a couple hours ago alan broxine i subscribed to his mm -hmm. uh, his newsletter and he put out a note just saying from a technical perspective of he's concerned about market weakness as well and you know if he thinks that he thinks that if the market weakness continues to play out it's going to technically it, it typically hurts our sector right the only time our sector has ever moved uh uncorrelated from the market is when the market is up we're still down yeah. right so hopefully that decoupling does occur yeah. or hopefully you know people start realizing that hey cannabis com u.s cannabis companies are actually doing very well and um the price is sort of 
uh, come back. Uh, but you did. You mentioned one other thing. I don't know if you want to talk about this on this episode or not. But you mentioned that, you know, uh, for a lot of the U.S. names, you were still concerned that they weren't really profitable. Oh yeah. So it just, you know, I work for I work for an MSO and and we're just doing the analysis now and just like none of these companies make money mm-hmm. in terms of free cash flow. Yeah, like proper so making income. money, net yeah. income, right? Um, all these companies pay so much tax. Yeah. Like even the true lease of the world, the, the top tier echelon names, yeah. they're not going to really make that much money. Right. Right. Which yeah. so which means they have to rely on the, the equity markets and the debt markets to mm-hmm. be able to survive. And all those big MSOs have done raises. Like they've done recent raises. When yeah. Some are better than others. Um, GTI just did a great one. Yeah. At a low interest rate. Looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, these are good companies. But you just have to be aware. These are just, these are like, you know, big. American tech companies that don't make profits for like three yeah, to f- five years. For sure. Uh, you just have to think of it that way because the the tax system isn't going to change in the next. Exactly. Two, it's just going to stay the same. So. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I, I do want to say this is very different than what we saw play out in Canada where these companies had no revenue or very little revenue and large burn rates. Yeah. When we say the company, when, when, when you're saying the companies don't make money, it's, he's not saying that companies don't have revenue. Right, revenue is still can be classified as making money, but net income is how much you actually keep. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, and so, they are making money. They're just not. They they're just not at a point where they're not at break even or where they're keeping their money. Exactly. Right? They have to consistently reinvest it back into the business, and they also need to rely on outside capital to continue financing business right. operations. Right. Um, EBITDA, as you guys know, are, uh, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. Uh, is a metric that eventually, the higher the EBITDA, you will hit profitability or free cash flow, typically, right? Yeah. That's the, that's why you're saying it's three to five years out. Uh, the thing with cannabis is it's ever changing on a daily basis. Well, you're paying you're paying tax on your gross profit. Yeah, yeah, it's like a lot. And you know, so. we don't think 280 is going away anytime soon. Uh, we think it's it's, it's gonna it's going to continue to be here. And that does pose a challenge, right? Because a lot of people and myself too, we got swept away from these MSOs because we see great revenue numbers. We see adjusted EBITDA, which is a metric that gets thrown out quite a bit. Um, do you want to touch on adjusted EBITDA? Yeah, it's funny. I was, I was talking to uh, Naya the other day and, and I, I asked uh, what's the minimum to market who? cap that he looks at. To who? I was, I was talking to an IA in Montreal. Oh, an IA. Okay. okay. And, uh, I was like, what's the minimum market cap you look at? And he's like, one billion. I was like, oh, there's like tons of cannabis companies with more than one billion now. It's like, he's like, do any of them make free cash flow? Because they need to make free cash flow for me to invest in them. I said, oh, no. But they make EBITDA. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no. This is like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, do, you, do you want to touch on what like EBITDA and what adjusted EBITDA means? Uh, not really. I mean, like EBITDA is just what, what you said. Yeah. Um, adjusted, just it's... You know, sometimes companies will say adjusted because they want to make it look better than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they're just changing their EBITDA calculation by a little bit. And yeah, exactly. That's exactly. all. It, that's yeah. all it means. And the, the, so you can usually find out what the adjusted remarks are within the MBNA. And every 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 analyst has like their own different adjusted Metrics. EBITDA weird thing. So right, yeah. exactly. So that's so when you guys when when people see EBITDA and when they see adjusted EBITDA, it doesn't it does not mean profitability. Uh, but it does, but it does signal that you're on the on the path to profitability. Yeah. Right? Basically, just saying that you have your EBITDA, and then the government takes away um, some money from that, and then your EBITDA less your tax is your net income. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's basically. That, and then your 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 uh, net income less your uh, negative investment capital. So like the money that you're 
using to build stuff, mm -hmm. uh, less that is your free cash flow. Gotcha. So your free cash flow will always look less than your income. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I always thought I was, unless, I was... unless you're raising lots of of dough because then because your free cash flow includes uh, flows from financing as well. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah. So, so, so that makes sense. So, like when people are looking into these numbers, uh, that is something to keep into consideration. I always get swept away whenever I see EBITDA. I'm like, okay, great. This is one step closer to profitability. It's a much better story than it was two years ago with Canada. Uh, but you know, talking to you today, you kind of gave me a reality check. You're like, well, it's not technically profitability. They yeah. still have to rely on the capital markets, and if the capital markets turn off. Um, you know they can they can survive for a long period of time, but it's still not to the point where yeah. You just want to make sure that your names have money in the bank. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. The names have money. Like, yeah. So like in a bad market, if you have to raise money, then you're in serious trouble. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And you you know you you're I myself included. You think we're entering a bad market mm -hmm. or a softer market? Isn't a bad market? Yeah, softer, softer. Yeah. Well, let's hope. Right. Yeah. And so, you know what? Let's talk about that. So this goes. This flows right next into the overall market that we're talking. Crypto, gold, S and P five hundred. Yeah, the crypto yields. scares me. Yeah. So crypto has been doing very well. It's you know there's a lot of risk capital that's flown into it. There's a lot of been meme coins, Ethereum, Bitcoin, all that. Like this is not a crypto podcast. I know absolutely nothing about crypto investing. Um, but I, you know that's lot lots of money flowing into it. Lot there's a lot of capital. Flowing and into a lot it. of these guys will probably just you know, take, get taken to the cleaners. We'll yeah. see what happens. But exactly. And even like I I, I I did my first crypto deal. I guess I bought a I bought two coins. Bought Ethereum and Bitcoin, and then I bought a uh, crypto ETF. How'd you do? I bought it on Friday, and Ethereum's up like seventeen percent today. Oh wow! Uh, I sold <laughs> <laughs> just because I'm like, all right, I have no idea why the Bitcoin's still flat. But I mean, I do want some sort of exposure to it. But all that ca when you start seeing these crypto markets go up, and a lot of people are are, are flocking into it, that's just less money that could be going into cannabis, right? So that's why it's important to sort of know what's going on in in these different markets. Um, another metric. And, 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 you know, crypto is very weird. A lot of people say it's going to replace gold or it can be there. It can be a hedge against equity markets. Um, if you're like like yourself, Pat, if you look at the correlation between crypto and equity markets, they actually are quite correlated. When yeah. equities are down, crypto typically has been down, right? We'll see how it occurs in the next crash that happens. Like if, let's say, the S&P 500 pulls back into correction territory and crypto doesn't, then that'll be the first time where they've been uncorrelated. Um Another way that people hedge against the markets is gold, and gold has recently gone up to I think it was like eighteen hundred bucks um, on Friday. I, yep. I haven't checked it today, um, and so gold is typically a hedge against market crashes, and those sometimes signal that okay, people, investors have less uh, faith in equity markets, and so they start going into gold. That's traditionally how it's worked. Again, why that's important is again, it's more capital that the cannabis industry is sort of fighting towards. Um, and then the S and P 500, obviously that's the market mm -hmm. that's been volatile the last little bit as well. And it's, it's been, it's, it's down a little bit. Um, I've been looking into S and P weightings a little bit. Okay. And what are you seeing there? Um, because I, I've discovered that, you know, during the, the tech bubble, you had like five to 10 companies that had 20% of the S and P 500 or something like that. Okay. Yeah. And we're seeing a, a, sim a similar correlation now. Um, I was looking, and Tesla is fifth, ranked fifth on the S and P 500 or something like that. And it's sandwiched. And it was just included six months ago. Yeah, and it's sandwiched in between Google. Mm -hmm. We all know Google and Berkshire Hathaway. Okay, nice. Berkshire Hathaway and Google both have something like 50 billion in their income. Tesla, Tesla has one. 
<laughs> and from a market cap perspective, from a market cap perspective, it's like fifth on the list. And the S&P so, 500 is a market cap. That seems right pretty frothy to me. I also don't really like Tesla, so yeah. But but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, so okay, but, okay. Let's go back on that. Why is that important? Why is that concentration important? Well, it just tells me that everybody's just buying these these companies, and maybe they're not as good as what people think. Yeah. I, I, it, well, I mean, like, look, listen, I, I don't know enough about Tesla. Multiples to, are, uh, are tr I, uh, the earnings multiples are, like, at peak values. Yeah. I mean, like, look, I, for, for, for a lot of these tech names, I don't think you can take, like, your traditional value investing approach. I think Chamath, uh, he says it the best. Um, you can find value in growth names. You just have to redefine how you find the value. Yeah. Uh, and him and Kathy, boy, they both love Tesla. And, and uh, does, does like, everybody think that this market is that hot right now? I don't know. I, I, I'm actually finding it the exact opposite. I'm finding that a lot of retail guys think the market is hot. I think a lot of institutional guys are pumping the brakes a little bit. I don't know anybody who's short the market, but I know everybody is starting to get worried. Yeah. Right. Everyone that I talk to on the broader markets. And the reason why is because you're seeing crypto go up. You're seeing gold go up. You're seeing the markets kind of trade sideways. Yields are rising again. Gold's not going up that much, by the way. Didn't it? I mean, it's not up. I'm just looking at the gold ETF right now, and it's, you know, it's nothing to write home about. But it didn't. But didn't like we're, we're not even at 52 week highs. But it broke 18. Well, I mean, of course we're not at 52. Yeah, but highs. like you know, you look at the gold price; it's not necessarily correlated to all the gold stocks. No, no, no. But okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. 52 week highs for gold is a little skewed because we reached. Remember, last year was the first lockdown, May 2020. Um, gold just started to skyrocket, mm -hmm. right? Um, that it was what like let's if you go let's go if you go 60 week highs or i don't know i just made that random thing up if you do something like that gold was at 1600 at what in january 2020 yeah relatively speaking i mean over the last right? five years this is a very strong market like i yeah. wish i worked in gold and <laughs> i used to come in the office every day it was like yeah. 1100 and i'm like oh yeah another day <laughs> But anyways, why that why that really matters for cannabis investors is that it just shows that you know you're, we're not the only sector out there. Um, you know, Manish uses this metaphor which he took from Alan Brockstein, where it's you know we're in a casino table, we're in a casino floor, and there's a whole bunch of different games that you can play, right? And it's very important to be to, to, to remember that there are other things that are going on. And so when you see all these things start going up, when you see the crypto market, the crypto market's a little bit of uh, an anomaly right now. When you see gold going up, S and P trading five S and P five hundred trading sideways. Uh, with what you just talked about, a large concentration of the top five names. We're seeing bond yields slowly start to rise. The vaccine rollout to me is very interesting because, you know, when, when the shutdown happened, a lot of we retail appetite, retail investors increased. Retail dollars in the market increased quite significantly. I think it went from like 20% to 30%. But it seems like the whole world is not doing well other than the United States and like Jerusalem and a few other random countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Um, and so, well, I mean, like the Asian countries are doing pretty well. I think China's done pretty well. I mean, whatever. Japan uh, just shut down again. Oh, did it? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but anyways, with, with the vaccine rollout coming in, what I think is going to happen is that I think a lot of people, and I've talked about this before, uh, they're going to take their capital gains and they're going to go out and spend their money and they're going to go enjoy life, right? They're going to they're going to be distracted again from the market. So that, again, that's more that's attention that's being diverted away from the markets. Um, the other thing is right now it's a weird time of the year. It's May 10th where this is tax season, where this is where the tax bills are due, mm -hmm. right? So for a lot of people who are entrepreneurs or who invest, uh, and I think retail is understanding for the first time, if you had all those gains that you crystallized last year, well, guess what? You've got to pay a certain portion of it to back to the government. 
whether it's in Canada or whether it's in the States, um, this is tax season. This is, this is people are now realizing, oh, I got to sell some stuff to pay some tax bills. And so we're seeing that. So I think, you know, you take all that into consideration. There is reasons right now for you to be really cognizant of what you own. Mm -hmm. Okay. And like I said, if you don't know what you own and why you own it, this might be a good time. You need a strategy. Have your stop losses ready. <laughs> and you know what? That's, I'm, I'm glad that you say that because I had that strategy. Every time I enter a trade, I always put a stop loss in for anywhere from like 30, 30%. I don't know. It's, it's not a concrete number. I, I, I change it depending on the name that I'm entering. Um, and that's my strategy just in case if I'm away and it pulls back a lot, I can at least, you know, I'll just take the, the yeah. loss and kind of come out. Oh, there's another factor I forgot to mention, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I talked about steel. Mm -hmm. And there was a huge hack on um, the U.S. pipelines that happened the other day. And it's caused all the oil prices to go up. Yeah, I saw I saw yeah. something about that. I didn't really it was read a into it. Really big deal. And um, apparently, if you look up steel prices, it's all over Google. Yeah. It's like tripled. And so we're at like 52-week highs on steel prices and construction yeah. and concrete and things like that. Yeah. Um, so that means, especially when you go on, on the cannabis angle, um, it's going to be a lot harder to do construction projects. Yeah, so that's yeah. why that's important. So like, explain. So like, let's let's yeah. let's let's look at that. Okay. So yeah. we'll show how the world is fully connected. Obviously. So you're well, we're focused on the company. states, really. Yeah, well, yeah. so you're yeah. a new cannabis company. You get this quote on a cultivation facility that you want to build or any facility you want to build. Yeah, so, so like say you raise like $40 million for your cultivation facility and some dispensaries, mm -hmm. right? Um, you have quotes from the architects from like three months ago and all this. You're going to have to get those all reevaluated and they're going to be off by a lot. Right. Because all your steel and all your input material is going to go way up in price. Right. So you're talking about several million dollars more. Mm -hmm. um, so, which in some cases you have to go back to the markets and figure it out, or maybe the reduce reduce the size there. of your greenhouse, or like yeah. all all those that sort of type of stuff. Right? So there, this recent spike in steel prices is obviously steel is a really big input for you know construction material and whatnot. Um, so either you know you're going to have to factor in this cost, right? Your but if you're building your, something, I would just be like, okay, I'm waiting. Yeah, or is, I would be like, a lot of I'm are, just yeah. doing a smaller project or something. So, money is going to shrink a little bit. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so you got to remember, like a lot of these companies, when they raise, they would say like, okay, well, we're going to build this out, or we're going to do this. Those projects might be get might get delayed. Yeah. Right? But also, when you think about it, um, supply might shrink a little bit. What do you mean, supply might shrink a little bit? Well, for all these states like um, Illinois, that um, so oh, like like cannabis, like dry flour, dry flour or oils or anything, right? Because there's there's supply demand that's rising, and so there needs to be more supply. Well, right now and we're talking about cannabis, not can cannabis. cannabis. Just yeah. just an example. So when I look at Missouri, for instance, a very early stage market that really is undersupplied. Um, so it could be the value of these companies that actually have operations there are worth more. Mm -hmm. So I might think about that when you're looking for trades. Okay, know? so that, think, that's very interesting because so now we have this things that are already in operation. Things that are already in operation, and so how you came to that conclusion? Because I know, I know we we jumped there, so let's let's yeah. let's back it down. Okay, so steel prices are going up. Some of these nascent companies that have just gone to the market to raise, uh, maybe they have to delay their project. So the cultivation that would be less, less players or smaller footprints. Right. So the the cultivation that was factored to come in is going to be less. So that's that's the supply you're talking about declining. Mm -hmm. Okay, demand is increasing, or even if it stays the same. 
It's very across the United States, demand is increasing. Okay, yeah. So yeah. demand is increasing. Yeah. We can see potentially supply declining because concrete steel prices are going up. Some cultivation facilities might take a long time to come back online or come online. Demand starts demand's increasing, supply is decreasing. That means prices start to go up, which means that the existing operators who have a strong foothold in these certain states are going to benefit more. Yep. Right? Um <clears throat> It's a very interesting topic, and this yeah, is why it's, it's extremely important when someone says, "Oh, steel prices are going up." So, for a cannabis investor, this is why steel prices it trickles are going down up. to everything. Exactly, right. exactly, and that's also why I like to look at other other parts of the market as well, because mm -hmm. it'll other parts of the market will give you indication as to what's going on. And as much as we don't like, to, as much as we hate to admit this, cannabis is still a high risk asset class, and it still gets treated like a high risk asset class. And high risk asset classes uh, are I don't want to use the word leading indicators, but usually when uh, are the first to go, mm -hmm. right? When people start trimming in their portfolio, they take off the risk first and they go into more quality names. And we're seeing a shift, a cyclical shift that's going from, like, uh, that's going from, I, I, I wanted to use offensive names, but they're not, yep. they're not offensive. What, what are they called? What's the actual name? Not defensive. Um, the opposite of defensive. Oh, my God. I'm um, here. Um, market cyclical. Oh, they're going from cyclicals two defensive names oh i see yeah that's what i meant to say yeah, yeah i was like offensive names right? <laughs> yeah. equities are basically all offenses um but uh, but that's very interesting right like i would have never thought that like looking at the steel market in terms of in terms of cannabis so i mean can you touch a little bit on how you came across that and like how you came to this thesis oh it's just because um one of the cfos of the companies i work for was talking to me about it today mm -hmm. and i was like a serious issue yeah because the company is looking to finance some of their projects because they have licenses in certain states. Mm -hmm. And him and I are arguing to the team. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, maybe we shouldn't do that. We should, we should or we're just that. focus on some of the states that really matter and try not to blow everything out. Yeah. Because like I said, every every dollar that you earned is not going to get any return on it for probably two to three years from now. In terms wow. of like actual yeah. like dollar for dollar return paying back. Right. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. And that's and that's something that like a lot of people forget and me myself included, right? When I saw these steel prices headlines going up, I didn't even I didn't even bat an eyelash. I just kind of skipped to the next article and started reading what I thought was going to be more important. And then when we started But yeah, this is changing the game. This is highly yeah. material, right? Yeah, exactly. So exactly. so I I just was just reading headlines and like I saw some analysis that said they might stay high till September. So, you know, <laughs> I, it kind of supports the thesis to sell in the summer, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah sell in May and go away, come yeah. back in the fall. Yeah. Um, but I mean, so when I look at that, like, I don't know much about the steel market, so I can't really comment too much on it. I don't know. Neither do I. But you, you know that when prices are high, that's like it's going to shrink yeah. supply. But it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but so that, that's why I'm like, I'm like, I'm, there's no way for me to be like, oh, like you know, we can we can time the steel market or whatnot. But like, it's not like they can just like pull a trigger and just increase steel production. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. very true. And so what what I think this kind of goes back into is what we were talking about earlier with, you know, steel prices going steel prices going up, input material goes up, new cultivation takes a long time to come on, supply takes longer to come on, demand stays the same, prices start to go up, existing players with st strong footprints, they tend to get a little a little bit of an advantage, right? So it, it just interest rates are going to probably go up. We'll yeah, see. we can speculate on interest rates. I mean, like like there's a lot of there's a lot of headwinds that seem to be kind of coming. Seems more headwinds than than tailwinds at tailwinds, the moment. Yeah. yeah, and that's not like I'm not. We're not sounding the alarm saying sell, sell, sell. We're saying no, know what you own. Good to be aware. Yeah, be aware and know what you own, right? And this is sort of a, this is a good discussion because this is how analysts think, 
right? This is just another tidbit of information that you have that you can sort of plug into your model, mm-hmm. right? And so it kind of gets gets in there. Um, let's talk a little bit. So as, as we kind of can continue on over here, um, let's talk about the pullback that we've seen in yeah. cannabis, okay? Um, so from your perspective, I mean, what, what sort of, so, so tell us, tell us what's happened. Right? Yep. A lot of people do know. Uh, and from your perspective, tell us, you know, why you think either it makes sense or why it doesn't make sense because we're down from the February highs. Yep. Okay. And we're at November, 2020 levels, right? Yeah. Um, November, 2020 had a lot of catalysts that we saw with the new presidential election with the new president coming in. Um, vaccine rollout was sort of happening. We thought it was going to be a little bit more delayed. Interest rates were muted. Um, what else? Well, we, we peaked in February. Yeah. Which makes sense. All stocks look highest in February. Mm-hmm. And everything just sort of went down and then went back up and then down again. And then it was a bit of a dead cat, cat bounce. And then so everything sort of leveled out and is going down a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know. If, if, if you're a chartist, I mean, we're below the 90 day moving average. I, you know, I think it's probably but, a good value play in general. Yeah, from yeah. from from a from a technical from a technical standpoint. I mean, I think it's a good value pay, play because prices are going down and these companies are reporting good earnings. Yeah, so we have we have a lot of U.S. names uh, reporting over the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And so my thesis was that I hoped that that would add some more excitement to the space. But today I saw the Village Farms, and that scares me a bit. Honest. That's a Canadian name. I think a lot of uh, you know some you know unfortunately yeah I don't like all these Canadian names but they are pretty well correlated to the to the U.S. market. The U.S. So all the weed names sort of trade together a little bit you know even though I don't want canopy to go up but I kind of do. Right? No, it it definitely does. I I think I think there will be a decoupling between Canadian LPs and U.S. MSOs probably in the near future. Yeah. Right, like right now, I mean, back, like, I think it was February. I can't remember when. Yeah, it was February when Afri and Canopy shot up like crazy. Uh, and that was just unwarranted. It was basically these guys, it was it was U.S. Co- companies were doing great. And undeservingly, Canadian names started doing very well. And there ha- there's no doubt about it. There has been a very large correlation between um, Canadian names and U- uh, U.S. names. And, um, you know. I think you and I both agree that this correlation is sort of undeserved, given how wildly different the two fundamental the, the two groups are. Uh, and as people do go from headlines back to fundamentals, I think the Canadian names are going to start to sort of move away. Um, and today I hope so, really- unless uh, Canadian companies figure out how to make money here, which I doubt. But we'll see. I mean, look, <laughs> I, I for 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 our sake, for for Canada's sake, I hope they do. Like yeah. um, I mean, even today, to, to it's getting better. The market is expanding. The market is expanding. To, to really show you, there's a company we haven't talked about in forever, a company called T-God, and I'm sure you remember. Yeah. Green Organic Dutchman is, it's just been a nightmare. It's down in the days. dumps nowadays. But they just announced They used to be a billion-dollar company. They just announced the U.S. Uh, deal, I think. They're oh, did they? They're looking to expand down to the States. Um, I, I, you know, it was a quick headline that I read. I just skimmed over it. The stock got no love, and again, it's again because we think that people are going now from he- from headlines to fundamentals, and I think that cannabis investors are now a lot more well informed, uh, and I and I think that they're starting to see where the oper- where the true opportunity really lies, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I mean, yeah. So let, let's keep going back on onto this uh, over here. You know, share prices are obviously not down to the dumps, but they're not super exciting. Um, revenue numbers are doing well. New states are coming online. 
there's a lot of um i think uh, there's going to be more weakness but i think people should just watch it and buy things at a discount you know when things are really red and when you're saying buy things at a discount like if i was a if i was looking at village farms i'd be like okay yeah i'll buy today it's a great day to buy if you really like village farms yeah right just examples like that but when you but when you're looking at village farms what what peer group are you comparing it to like what's the discount like right like obviously it's cheaper than it well, was well it is it's a discount you get 25% off from yesterday it's like a lot yeah but i mean but that, that's assuming that but also i'm looking at the stock chart right now and you know it's just cratered and it's way lower than the 6 month you're basically paying november prices right yeah but i mean there's no guarantee that it's going to go back up right no but it was, would be a good gamble it's probably going to be up tomorrow I, look, I, I've, I'm just I'm just giving you an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I that's mean, like, look, there's there's things that happen in the market like this all the time. Yeah, there's like yeah. daily trades. Like I mean, like yeah. a good one that I really like was when GTI got hit with that Chicago Tribune article. Oh, that was great. I bought that. I mean, yeah, and that was that. like to me that was like okay. This Sometimes is you get little gifts like that, you know. Yeah, I don't I don't think this Village Farm one is that gift personally, um, but if you're like okay, like look, Village Farms in comparison to all the other Canadian names. I don't even know what I don't even know what the Canadian names are trading at, but if the Canadian they're names supposed trading, to be the best grower. That's what I hear on the street. But. Yeah, and so, but like, well, just to give people an idea of like when we're talking about relative valuation here, um, you pick a metric, right? And so maybe the metric is going to be EV over EBITDA, and if it's below that metric, so let's say, I, do you do you have what? Um, oh yeah, the Canadian LPs are trading their EV over EBITDA would be. Yeah. Okay. So this is an updated for the new. Um, I think it's updated as a Yeah, price. yeah. So I got the new ten dollar price for village farm is in here. Mm -hmm. So it trades at a way lower multiple than everybody else. What is that multiple? Uh, it trades at three point four times this year's sales. Mm -hmm. And Tilray, for example, trades at fifteen times sales. Okay, so, so that's it's like a good ridiculous example. difference. So um, and yeah. now look, so like there there's this is this is a great way that sometimes it depends on how you want to paint the narrative, right? You can either say that Village Farms is undervalued, or you can say that Tilray is overvalued. Or you can say sometimes companies just trade at premiums and because they're good companies. Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't say that about them. But. Yeah, but I mean, then you wouldn't <laughs> say it's it's overvalued, right? You'd go. You, it, it gives you a reason to go dig. It's just an, into the, an example. The, right? Yeah, and so I mean, like that. That's that's what I would look at for um, when you're looking at relative valuation. Um, but I mean, like like overall, I really think. There is some weakness that's coming up. I think people need to sort of, you know, ease up a little bit, take some profits, uh, whatever they can. Um, and if they have, if you have like, uh, sorry, ease up, take some profits wherever you can. Know the names that you own. Know why you own them. Uh, and then, you know, wait and see. And like, don't. Obviously, you don't want all your have a plan. in one basket. Yeah. Have a plan. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the best way to put it. I mean, from your perspective. Where do you see the markets going from here? Like, obviously not today. Not tomorrow. I thought they were going to go up, and we'll see what happens tomorrow. Uh, we have acreage reporting tomorrow. Uh, Men men's reporting. I probably won't do anything. Sundial's reporting. Um, the next day, and Trulyf reports on Thursday. So that'll be a big one. Trulyf reports on Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, before market open. And I mean, like, uh, we're, like, I mean, people can go up there and pull up the calendars and whatnot, and they can kind of get sort of in there. But are there are there any themes that you're seeing that you think should be made aware of? Like that. Yeah, the I think these companies are going to keep on growing and revenue and EBITDA, and I, I think uh, Trulyf almost makes an income, or they make a little bit. And it's yeah. like very positive. I, I like what they're doing in Florida, and 
this is a huge acquisition, so I, I would think that it would be positive unless they miss. So. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, like I don't, I don't own any True Leaf. Um, I mean, maybe th no, I sold Harvest, but like the the large the large US MSOs definitely make sense to own. I we, we not, not necessarily that you want to own it. I just you want them to do well because yes. they will bring the market with them. Yes, that's so a very it, it good starts point. it starts yes. a trend. So you know, if True Leaf misses, if Acreage misses, if Which we uh, we don't think they are, if you know Columbia Care misses, you know that's, that's uh, that means the analysts or their estimates are way too high, and mm -hmm. it's an issue. Which could happen. It happens all the time. It yeah. already did happen for the last bubble that popped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we don't, we don't see that yeah. one come come up anytime soon. But listen, I think overall, like uh, people need to be aware that broader market weakness is is out there. Um, cannabis, if you, the the names that you're investing in really really do matter. Like you said earlier, you want to be looking at cash positions again. Uh, and one thing that you really pointed out here was that when a name like Truly reports, it's going to attract attention from a lot of other investors. And maybe we'll steal some of that money away from crypto. Maybe we'll steal some of that money away from gold. And that'll kind of come back and sort of rebound in the market. But in terms of the short term, are there any cannabis catalysts that you see coming up that you think that the that the world is missing? Like, is you know, some because sometimes whenever you and I chat, you'll be like, okay, well, look, this state is coming online. You should start looking at this. Um, oh yeah. Well, I think yeah. certain states are are better than others, mm -hmm. but I just haven't done the work to go into it. And there isn't really really many single state operators, so it's really hard yeah. to like leverage that sort of thing because, you know, truly, for example, is like in so many states now. Now that they acquired Harvest. Yeah, I mean, pre pre Harvest acquisition, they had they were they, they have they had operations in different states as well. But I would really classify Truly as a Florida play, right? That's where they made the bulk of their revenue from. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you're right. Single state operators are are hard to come by. Um, and when when we see more and more states sort of come online, because I, I know I I mean you know maybe maybe we don't talk about it today, maybe we bring you back on on another day when we have more information. But you and I were chatting about Ohio and, and a couple other states as well, where you started you started preliminary early stage round work. And I mean obviously you know you want to make sure you've got all your information right before you come out. And um, well, I, I do have estimates for states in Canada if you want to talk about it. Yeah, is there anyone that you do want to talk about? Well, I was looking at uh, so you can everybody can look up the Health Canada numbers and see what the retail numbers are at. Um, oh, so, Canada's numbers, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's that's actually kind of important. That's why I think a lot of it's down because the market is sort of going down. Um, in in February and in January, um, retail numbers are down month over month, again and again. So, February and January, oh, for twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. So. We haven't got the March numbers yet. We'll see. And I mean, that could also be for a lot of people who look at Canada. I mean, look, Canada definitely has its challenges. It's. it's I don't. I don't, honestly don't even have an answer for you because. I think it's because in the states, everything was up. So I don't know. So. I think it was the COVID lockdowns. I think a lot of people who were going to buy the people were buying weed in the states and. But they, their doing lockdowns the haven't been as in-store pickup as and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, but their lockdowns haven't been as intense as ours, right? Like, like Toronto's still pretty locked down. Like, I like to see the like the provincial breakdown and see where the declines are coming. I just from. bought a pre-roll. I was by High Park, and yeah, took like two seconds. It was sweet to go in there and get it. Yeah, I mean, there's like, like there's nothing wrong with the service or anything. No, no, there's nothing wrong with the service. I think I I in if you if you are going to invest in Canada, you know, everybody knows my thesis. I like the Canadian retailers as a play, uh, which is funny. Yeah, I like I like FAF. FAF is good. Yeah, uh, which yeah. is uh, two years ago. I didn't like the retailers. Um, now I've now that I'm seeing how more and more important distribution here is in Canada. Uh, Canada's just extremely challenging, right? And um, dispensaries in Canada make money. They do exactly, and they're 
unf- and, and they're correlated to Canadian LPs, unfairly so. So if you want a value play and you're looking at this in Canada, I always say buy the dispensers of the LPs. That's the only thing I would buy. Oh, or the processors, maybe. I don't know. Of the processors, I mean, I've... Uh, don't get me wrong. They're, they they were a great story. We loved Metafarm at, at the time. It, obviously, we saw the challenges with it. I don't own any Canadian processors anymore. It's a uh, it's a I, I've talked to some processors and right now it's the a war war of that? attrition. It's sorry. A war of attrition. What's okay, happening? What do you mean by that? I just mean that there's too much oil in the market, and yeah. a lot of these guys, especially the majors, are um, just don't have the ability to know how to be able to continue doing it, mm-hmm. and they're not making enough money, so they're going to shut everything down. But it's going to take time. Mm-hmm. Right, so the the guys that can pr- produce at the least amount will reign supreme. Well, so we're seeing commoditization now occur in the extraction market, right? So yeah. the extraction market collapsed. In order for you to survive in that market, you've now got to be a low cost producer. When I'm making an investment, because my my investment dollars are very limited, right? And if I'm going to get exposure in Canada, I don't really want that exposure in that part of the supply chain anymore. That was a different story in 2019. Unless maybe you're making derivative derivative products. Oh, for sure. It's it's it's. I think extractors. They have higher margins than your your Canadian LPs and your dry flower producers. Obviously, um, the market mature markets tend to prefer, or it's a fifty fifty split, right? Where you get vapes, tinctures, cartridges. We got legalization happening in two thousand nineteen, October twenty nine, October seventeenth, twenty nineteen was when cannabis two happened, which means uh, tinctures, uh, cannabis derivative, high concentration oil products became legal here in Canada. All those were great catalysts for the market. Those catalysts have already happened. Now we're seeing, we saw an influx of extraction capability come online that outweighed demand. The prices started to collapse, um, and they haven't recovered yet. I mean, do I think that they're going to come back? Maybe. Do I? I don't really want exposure to it personally, so that's why I'm not really looking too much at that at the uh, at those names. Uh, and if I do pick certain names uh, in extraction, they're going to be names that are. Uh, producing that are cashed up that have their licenses facilities fully built out and have sales right Mm -hmm. those are things that i want to see if i do want exposure to canada i would say dispensaries are the best way to do it because dispensaries are profitable they have their margins reliable cash they have reliable cash exactly and they're also the competition here is weird because everybody has the same product it's kind of strange exactly so you got to create a user experience or you can do a thing is it fire and flower who has high fire i think it's fire and flower who has high fire. yeah or you have to do some sort of data collection and have some sort of sort of um, added benefit, right? And yeah. I think if you're going to try to get Spirit Leaf is good too. I got nothing wrong with Spirit Leaf. Yeah, Spirit Leaf is it's, it's definitely a good good dispensary. Um, but if I'm going to get exposure to Canada, that's where I'm going to go, right? I, I still think the low hanging fruit is still down in the U.S. The most unique thing that I'm seeing right now is prices are declining, fundamentals are improving. We haven't seen this before in this space. You can. Even though the companies aren't profitable, they have revenue, they have EBITDA, and they're continuously growing. So they're on their path to profitability. The markets are getting better. That's right. When I say the markets, I mean the cannabis markets are getting better in the sense that demand is increasing. There's more states that are coming online. Um, I think right now, for me personally, how I'm playing is I'm taking some money off. Uh, I am taking some risk off the table. Um, I've da- I've I'm pretty well diversified. And uh, are you buying anything, or are you just holding? I didn't buy anything today. I didn't buy anything. I think the last thing I bought was uh, Ethereum. <laughs> Ethereum. I'm thinking about it. You know, I'm gonna see what happens over the next few days, and maybe I'll buy some stuff. We'll see. Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, any last thoughts that you want to leave our listeners here with? Not really. What are your top picks? 
my top picks. Yeah. Um, oh man, you're putting me on the spot here for cannabis. I mean, it's AYR and Columbia Care, the two that I that I consistently add to. I think those have the most growth. Um, GTI bought recently. Um, I think that's it. Have I, you talked I, about? I'm gonna see. I'm gonna. Have see you said? Have you talked about Soul on this podcast? Yeah, we've talked about. SOL, yeah, yeah, I like that one. Too. Yeah. So, SOL. I mean, that 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 we yeah we like we we use that as a way to get into Verano. I don't actually own Verano. Um, and Ascend is one that I'm looking at, but I wouldn't say it's a top pick. I would say my top pick obviously are Columbia Care and, and AYR. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, those are the two two names that I really like. Um, awesome. Well, so Pat, thanks so much for joining. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. This was fun, and you know we'll have you on again. Uh, and again, guys, uh, thanks so much for listening. CIN podcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, concerns, you want us to take a look at your portfolio, feel free to send it over. We will take a look at it. And again, thanks for listening. This podcast is a general communication and entertainment being provided for informational purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, feature, or other purposes. Any examples used in this podcast are generic, hypothetical, and for entertainment purposes only. None of Cannabis Investing Network or its affiliates are suggesting that the listener or any other person take a specific course of action or any action at all. Communications such as this are not impartial and are provided in connection with advertising and marketing of products and services. Prior to making any investment or financial decision, an investor should seek individualized advice from, from a personal financial, legal, tax, and other professional advisor that take into account all of the particular facts and circumstances for an investor's own situation. By listening to this communication, you agree with the intended purpose described earlier. Opinions and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice. We believe the information provided here is reliable, but should not be assumed to be accurate or complete. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for all investors.